This episode of the Eggology Club podcast is sponsored by a new app called Nala, your fertility guide. No matter what kind of fertility treatment, IVF, IUI, FET, egg freezing, surrogacy, or egg donation, you will never have to leave a doctor's office with a bunch of handouts you can barely read. Nala, to keep everything in one neat place. Reminders, medication instructions, and your next appointment time. For a limited time, Nala is free for Ecology Club listeners. Download the app, N-A-U-L-A, or visit Nala.com today. This is Ecology Club podcast, episode number five, Emotional Roller Coasters. Welcome to a new club, the Ecology Club. This podcast is redefining the modern day journey to parenthood. Meet your co-hosts and new BFFs, Riddell, Valerie, and Kara. We're sharing our unfiltered real life stories, and we hope you join the conversation too. Follow us at egologyclub.com. Welcome to episode five. Woo-hoo. We're back in action with the Egology Club. Valerie, your host. Kara, otherwise known as Kegber. And Raydell. We are back together. Boy, we are weathering the storms. We're going through the emotional roller coasters. It's been a crazy month. We're getting all this feedback about our podcast. So thank you to all the listeners and welcome new listeners. Thank you for tuning into our show. We're excited to be here. Kara, you want to tell us about what's going on in your life right now? Yeah, well, I just started the new job, so I'm about six weeks in at two client presentations this week rocked them my whole staff was egging me on it was good egging, egging you on <laughs> i think someone just got back from vacation i sure did i was Summer in vacay. delaware and i think you guys might see a little bit tan action going on yeah, here you're dark yeah. You look beautiful. We did a ferry to Cape May, New Jersey, which might be my new favorite little town. Love. And saw some wild ponies at Assateague Island, and it was delightful. You're horsing around? Totally. (laughs) Well, girls, I wish I had news, but I've just been, you know, a little busy with press interviews and stuff. I think you've been (laughs) very busy. (laughs) International interviews at that. BBC's interviewed me, I think, like four or five times, and they've actually only used the clips maybe once or twice, including the one that just happened in July. Uh, can we talk about that clip? Let's talk about it. Should we Let's play it, it first so everybody yeah. knows what we're talking about? Yes. So BBC, um, the show with uh, an expert, it's called Bringing Down Britain. Bringing Up. Bringing Up Britain. Yeah. <laughs> well, it felt like bringing down. It was a downer. It was a downer. So London the show, Ridge. The show is hosted by this wonderful woman, Marcella Frostup. I went into a studio, had professionally recorded. I think we recorded for like 15, 20 minutes, and they literally used... Two seconds of the clip. We'll play it now. Egg freezing seems to be coming into its own as a as a form of insurance, if I might, with, with global giants like Apple and Google offering staff the chance to freeze their eggs. This is Valerie Landis, an American based in Chicago. She froze her eggs, in part funded by her employers, so that she could continue with her career. She was working for a startup which was keen for her to stay on with them and, and pitched itself as pro-fertility. Let's hear from her. I decided to freeze my eggs at the age of 33 in the fall, right around my birthday, and successfully froze 17 eggs. My reasoning for egg freezing was kind of trifled. I wasn't in a long-term relationship that looked like it was headed towards marriage and family. Also, I had a very aggressive career path that allowed me to see the world, but didn't necessarily give me the opportunity to 
have a conducive relationships and be able to nurture those things. So I'm just not really wanting to settle for the wrong person. I want to have children with the right person. And I'm also very open-minded about possibly being a single mother someday or a mom by choice. You know, I'm setting up the next 10 years to be open to either direction. I think children is definitely a priority for me. That's why I've taken the action. Sophie, you're shaking your head there. What are your feelings about such treatments being offered by employers to encourage women to have a choice or or should that be to delay motherhood to suit perhaps company agendas? I found that interview very sad because for me the most pro-fertility company as we put it um, is a company that offers shared parental leave, is a company that has no pay gap, is a company that has equal numbers of women as well as men on the board, um, is a company that has maybe a creche on site, is a company that has no instances of pregnancy discrimination. I mean, here in the UK, we know that the Women and Equality Select Committee recently, early this year, talked about a report which showed that three quarters of the women surveyed had experienced pregnancy discrimination. There were women turning down promotions because they were worried about the impact it would have on their career path. You know, that is where we need to start talking about what a pro-fertility company looks like. Melinda? This is a very interesting phenomenon that's happening. And in Silicon Valley, they're now having, instead of Tupperware Avon parties, they're having egg freezing parties now where people get together. (laughs) I'd love to know Um, where the party bit comes But I'd like to come come back to this point of, you know, is this, because this has been offered as a a means of work-life reconciliation. And is that effective and is that the way we should go? Companies see it as a lot cheaper than offering um, IVF treatment. So it's a fiscal choice as well. But there's been some research and it's quite clear that it's shown, a Norwegian study showed, that if you offered affordable, available, high quality childcare, that would be the one thing out of all the policies that they looked at that would be able to enable people to have children to have them when they wanted to have them. Well, let's just stop right there. I mean, I think that kind of can fuel our discussion. Part of it, they missed the point of egg freezing. Well, for starters, I thought you spoke very well about your journey and reasons for egg freezing. When the woman chimed in, she felt it was a sad story. I don't feel so much she was saying directly sad your story personally. I think she was more directed it was sad people have to turn to this um, in general. I think it could be kind of broad. It could be taken as more direct, but I think it could also be taken broad that, um, you know, with just women and their bodies and their aging. And I think there's many reasons. I don't think it was so much directed towards you. It's an interesting thing. Uh, You know, what I can um, relate to the most is when they talked about just having the resources to provide. You know, my personal timeline, I have the 16, the sweet 16 eggs frozen. I would go it alone at 40 um, if no one's next to me at 40 that wants to start a family. But my biggest concern is not that I can emotionally handle it. A lot of people are scared emotionally, can I handle this for life? I don't worry about that at all. I know I can handle it. I'm concerned about the resources. You know, I live outside Washington, D.C., one of the most expensive places to live in the country. And it usually takes a two-income salary to have a family in this area. So that, that concerns me the most. What, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that the woman that said... It was sad, really, really frustrates me because I think she's looking at it from a very old school, very traditional mindset, and she's not open-minded about changing, like, the future and changing the future and where the human race is going and using technology to advance our lives, advance ourselves, and embrace the new norm. And I clearly think she's stuck in a very um, 
like talk about a rigid mindset, like things that need to look and stay and feel the same way. And the reason why um, it upsets and possibly frustrates me is because we as women and what took me so long to make the decision to egg freeze is I heard these those her voice. I heard it in my head because there are very traditional people who are going to look at you in a very negative way because they can't see things differently. Almost like they feel sorry for us. Yeah, and I think that's absolute bullshit. Yeah. And so the fact that she's going on a BBC news radio that's being broadcasted all over the world, and now she's talking about egg freezing in a sad state... It just perpetuates the situation. It's making someone like think that that thought is true. Right. It's not and what it's happens not to you. True. It's how it's you deal true. with it. That's right. This is an amazing thing that doctors created together that we can help ourselves make Prolong smarter our decisions maybe raise a baby when you're more mature, bring a better, beautiful life into the world. Or financially stable. Yeah. Like it gives all us more of earning this power. is good. And I'm and I'm so I'm so frustrated that people are still and I think unfortunately it's gonna take years to change people like her. And, and I just the think conversation. Shame, I just think shame on her. Yeah. Because that's just a really because it's it's not it's not great for I, women. I wonder though if it's just a theme in the UK to to look at this kind of in a negative form. They haven't had the best statistic rates. I mean maybe that's a little cliche to say, but in the states we're very progressive and maybe it's the entrepreneurishness of the doctors and the clinics um, struggling to compete and encouraging each other to do better. Like as an athlete, like remember back in your sports days, I would always want to run with the faster heat. Because they encouraged me to work harder and to be better. If I, if I was always the first in my heat, well, that didn't challenge me to have a better time. I think it's the same concept here is where we are, um, we're, we're in an environment that's very challenging and we're constantly pushing the bar on technology and it comes along with fertility. I mean, look at some of the articles you well, pulled up right I, now. I, yes, because you said coming out of the UK... Two different articles in July and May use the word desperate, that women are taking desperate steps and freezing their eggs. And so I would like to just pose the question, like, why? Why out of the UK is this word being used as desperate? Or in the media in general. Because even with the backslash with Apple and Facebook, when they went and announced that they were going to include egg freezing as part of their employment package, they brought it up on the show. They're like, oh, well, that's a cheaper economic for the employer than to pay for childcare. I think childcare and employment leave and paternity leave, that's its own separate issue besides egg freezing. Like, yes, we need better... Uh, maternity leave and longer than eight weeks and half pay or no pay or FMLA to step up. But that's a bigger conversation than why we choose to egg freeze. Right. This is already an emotional journey for us because we didn't ever think we would be in this spot at this age. It wasn't our plan or our desire not to be married or starting our family right now. We're ready for that stage. Um, And for whatever reason, the other half hasn't stepped up. And I think that they criticize men a lot. That doesn't really challenge them to be better men. And I think desperate is a bad word for them to be using to describe the situation. You know, it's really we're increasing our chances is what this is doing. Life, um, my dad gave me a 
great pep talk this week and a line he said was uh, the line, you know, the line in life is not always straight. It's, you know, it has like turns. It could be crooked. Um, you know, how everyone thinks Many paths to Rome, right? Correct. There's lots of different Correct. roads to Rome. You don't, not just one way to get there. Yes. Correct. Um, you know, and a lot of people have a vision of this is how your future will pay out, you know, by different ages. And it's, just because it doesn't play out a certain way by that age doesn't mean you're desperate. It means you want to increase your chances. I feel right? like we're playing the comparison game. That's always a slippery slope, right? Mm-hmm. Like when we try to compare our lives to someone else based off of how old they are. There's so many ways now to create the life that you love. Mm-hmm. And none of them are right. None of them are wrong. They're all like what is. And it's beautiful for someone to know what they want and actually Go after be it. vulnerable enough to accept help. And that was my biggest thing. Like I had to accept help to admit what I wanted in my life, even if it didn't look the way I thought, you know, or society had told me it should look, but like be vulnerable, go get that help, accept it, pay for it and do it. And then also share, share that you did that. That's a lot. And so I really hope that the conversation continues and I know I mean we're here today like we are representing the 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 side of the corn I want to say it's the true side the side of egg freezers and women and why we're doing it I think it's a good place for us to just take a quick break and hear from some of our sponsors Life can be complex and challenging at times, right? We all face obstacles and uncertainty, yet some people struggle or sink while others rise up and empower or thrive. Why is that? What makes all the difference is your mental and emotional state. Pinch Me Living offers transformative life coaching programs and resources to provide you with exactly the tools you need to optimize peace and happiness. Visit pinchmeliving.com today and use offer code EGGCLUB to receive 50% off any meditation or affirmation audio to kickstart a powerful change from within. And we're back. You know, we've covered a lot already in just a short period of time. Um, how about we talk about like emotional roller coaster and the fertility journey that we went on? Everyone goes into uh, fertility in different ways. You're having issues conceiving or you're trying to, you know, um, lengthen the clock. You want to give yourself more time. You know, in my case, I wanted, I wanted to give myself more time, but I also saw, okay, my time is shorter on the clock of when I can have this baby, but I'm not ready to do that yet because I haven't met the right person to do it with. Um, so that was really my reason for egg freezing. In life, everyone goes through things at d- different ages. Maybe it's your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, you're ready for marriage, you're ready for kids, you're ready for just one of those. Life is good without them and with them or just And you've said that before. You've it's said that true. Before and... It's being on your time schedule. Mm-hmm. So someone else might be doing something sooner than you or later than you. Just know you're right on time for you, mm-hmm. which is very important. I mean, I think it's so hard because we, we sum up our stories, right? Like, we sum up our stories of everything that's happened to us, just like being interviewed. They're only seeing a snippet of my story. There's a lot more that goes into it. By the way, they got part of the story wrong. It's not that my employer paid for this. It's that I was in an insurance state that covered it. So my insurance through my employer covered my egg freezing, like my office visits, my morning monitors. I only had to pay my copay. And then my, my meds, I had just a small copay for the meds too. And with coupons, I paid maybe a hundred, 200 bucks, which Very is fortunate. incredible. How much did you spend on your meds? Uh, first round 3,900 second round in the two thousands, third round in the two thousands. Man, if you see me canning on the highway, it's really me. Well, and that kind of brings us up to the interview that we have. I think, you know, doing the research around why women egg freeze and, and in port, putting a, an importance 
on hearing our stories to the full capacity changes the game on everyone explaining why we're doing what we're doing. Maybe there doesn't have to be an explanation, but I I just like that there's so many different uh, universities and uh, campuses out there that are studying the phenomenon of egg freezing. Like, you've been interviewed, right, Riddell? With our guest, Dr. Marsha Inhorn from Yale. And what I love about this project is that she interviewed over 100 women, um, she'll tell us this too, from Israel and the United States that uh, were like the first females to do egg freezing. And so really understanding why, like why the women chose to do that, what their process was. But it's was. not a small endeavor. No. I mean, you have to put your body through a lot of hormones and injections and the emotional component too that we don't really think about until we go through it. Thank you so much, Dr. Inhorn, for being with us today. We are excited to talk with you and hear everything that you have to share with us and our listeners. So thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, I'm very pleased to be speaking with you. I know we here know a little bit about yourself, but I'm wondering if you could share a bit about your background and your expertise with our audience. Yes, so I'm a professor of anthropology and particularly a subfield called medical anthropology. And I've been, for my research over a long period of time, for actually almost 30 years now, I have been studying issues of reproductive health and particularly um, women's and men's experiences with reproductive health problems, particularly infertility. And in the course of my studies, I really followed the kind of evolution, if you will, of assisted reproductive technologies, um, you know, beginning with in vitro fertilization, um, moving to other kinds of variants of IVF, and then most recently, following the introduction of oocyte cryopreservation, um, also known as egg freezing, and looking at how it's being received not only in the United States, but in other you know, countries around the world. So this is really what I, I, I study, I love to talk about, I love to think about uh, women's and men's uses of reproductive technologies that have real impacts on, on people's lives. Um, recently, we know that you were a featured speaker at the Future of Female Fertility event at the University of Cambridge. We really wanted to hear, I think you you know, you know, brought up and, and talked about some really important things for egg freezing. And could you share with us a little bit of um, some of your thoughts from that event? Yeah, so basically I've been involved um, for the past two years, from 2014 to 2016, in probably the first major qualitative study of women who are really what you would call the pioneers or the first generation of women um, in the United States and also uh, with colleagues in Israel, the first generation of women to utilize this new technology of egg freezing. And so, um, you know, we were invited, I was invited to speak um, at uh, an event organized by the University of Cambridge and the London Egg Bank about basically what's going on with egg freezing in America, you know, based on the study that I did um, here over the last two years with more than 100 women who electively froze their eggs. And so that's sort of the background. This is a National Science Foundation-funded study of, um, I, I call them the, the, the first-generation pioneers of this technology. And I think that it's really interesting. Um, there's been so much media discussion about, you know, why women might be freezing their eggs, um, it's because they're careerists, they're very ambitious women, and they're doing this to sort of postpone their fertility while they pursue their ambitions. And 
although that may you know be an important part of it this the, the women that I spoke with the more than 100 American women who you know volunteered to be in this study they were an amazing group of professional highly educated professional women uh, with very interesting careers and you know, had done marvelous things with their lives but they were very clear um, that the career per se was not the reason that they were postponing their fertility. Uh, for, their fertility had never been like intentionally postponed. Rather, um, the women in the study were um, mostly heterosexual, mostly really wanted to be mothers. And the, the big issue, the theme, I think, if you will, was that women just simply could not find partners along the way. That really egg freezing, at least in this first generation of what you might call early adopters, women who are using their technology, it's because they have not been able to find what you would call men committed to family building with them. So I think that, in a way, the media discussion that suggests that, oh, this is sort of selfish career women putting their fertility on hold, that's really not what we found in this particular study. Have you always been doing this kind of research? Well, not on egg freezing only. I mean, mostly I've done, I've done really um, hundreds of hours of research talking with people who are facing infertility problems. That's really what the background to, you know, over 30 years I've worked with hundreds of couples and women and men facing infertility problems and usually hoping to use or have access to in vitro fertilization. And what's really interesting how that connects to egg freezing I found in this study is that a lot of women who were thinking about doing egg freezing, um, something that sort of encouraged them was talking to other women, other friends who were facing infertility challenges and saying, look it, if I'd had the opportunity to freeze my eggs, I would have done it. Go freeze your eggs. So there is some relationship between egg freezing, infertility, and IVF. Women are feeling some cautionary tales from their friends, you know, their colleagues and friends who get to the point of trying to have a child and then are facing difficulties with it and are getting encouraged by, by their friends to go and, and to pursue egg freezing while they can. Honestly, I look at egg freezing as just another new, interesting reproductive option for women. I mean, it's, you know, when in vitro fertilization was introduced in the late 1970s, there was a lot of polarizing discussion. Like, oh, this is against nature, this is against God, people are intervening in things that they shouldn't be. I mean, that was the sort of early polarizing discourse about IVF. And then over time, we see that IVF got normalized and it's helped millions of people, literally probably more than five or six million IVF babies have been born. And people recognize it now as just a great option for people when they're facing reproductive difficulties. And I think that the same thing, you know, egg freezing is now this newest evolved version. It was something that couldn't be done technically for a very long time. Um, technologically, um, you know, IVF laboratories have been able to freeze sperm. They've been able to freeze embryos, but it was a technological challenge to freeze the human egg. They figured out how to do it, and lo and behold, you know, you can freeze eggs successfully. You can thaw them, you can fertilize them, and you can create pregnancies with them. And so, again, you know, I think you're right. It's just another new, evolved technological option that women should have access to. And so why the polarizing discussion? Um, I think some of it's tied 
into, you know, sort of discussions of women's role in society today in America. There's been a lot of discussion around Sheryl Sandberg's book, you know, Lean Into Your Career, and, you know, then Facebook and Apple and Google and Intel, a lot of the tech companies in the U.S. decided to offer egg freezing as a fertility benefit. And that was read, you know, in interesting ways as, oh, these are, you know, companies trying to tell women that they have to keep working and working and postpone their fertility. And so I think just because we don't have a lot of good research on why women are in fact really freezing their eggs, I think it allows certain kind of polarizing perspectives to be, you know, uh, primary out there in, in, in the world. One thing I can tell you from, you know, this study with more than 100 women, most women, most women who used egg freezing felt very empowered by it. And in fact, uh, most women literally used of their own accord the term empowering. You know, I remember one woman saying, I was weirdly and wildly empowered by, you know, egg freezing after I used it. Most women in the study said, you know, I understand it's not 100% guarantee that it will, you know, definitely provide a future child, but, you know, it, it, I feel good about doing it. I feel I'm so happy that I live in an era where it's now available. It's given me peace of mind. It's given me some relief and release from some anxiety about my fertility. I'm glad I've been able to do it. I would encourage my friends and, you know, my loved ones to do it. Among women who had undertaken at least one cycle of egg freezing was very positive overall. And I must say, it's really refreshing to hear that you have all this research done and it's mostly positive. Is there a time that we'll be able to review it and, and see your research? You know, we have not published anything at this point. I mean, it was just finished toward the end of 2016. We're now in 2017. We're finishing the data analysis. And I do hope that we're going to start with the, the team. Um, it's my you know, team of colleagues here in the U.S. and my t the team of colleagues in Israel. There was a sort of smaller portion of the study done in Israel. Um, but basically, we hope to start writing some papers. Eventually, those things will happen. But at this point, it is an unpublished study just completed last year, uh, the data collection. And we hope to start seeing some papers probably coming out in 2018. To piggyback on to your comment about empowering, um, that's one of the biggest just kind of emotions I felt overall going through the process. I mean, after I did that, a lot of the buildup was getting through that first shot, but when I did that first shot, I was very much uh, that little girl on Wall Street with like the wind blowing back in her hair, like standing up to like the world, I can do this. So that um, that's, that, that's exactly how I felt. I have to say this study that we just completed, that my part of it was in the U.S., it is the first time I've ever worked on a major research pro project with mostly Americans and mostly and basically all American women. And I really, I have to say, I really enjoyed doing the study. Um, I must reiterate, it is an amazing group of professional, highly educated women who are, for the most part, you know, doing egg freezing at this point in America. And I loved talking to women about their lives, about, you know, the challenges in their lives and about, um, you know, why they decided to, what motivated them, motivated them to undertake egg freezing. So it was a real pleasure to be back in my own society, you know, working in my own language um, with a very eloquent, articulate, often very funny, um, very wonderful uh, group of, of interviewees. It's awesome. You know, we've all actually been interviewed for similar research maybe not as in-depth as yours, Dr. Inhorn, 
But it's it's interesting to gather that, you know, I'm glad people are studying this um, and taking the, the opportunity to ask these questions, because until you have those conversations, you really can't guess why we all chose to do it. Based on your research and what you've seen, do you think that the traditional family path is, is shifting and changing? Well, I do, and actually that was one of the interesting findings that emerged from this study is that, um, you know, women are thinking about what their future options and future family formations might look like, and there is a new kind of category that's emerged. It's being called single motherhood by choice, where some women are saying, look at, you know, I don't need to have a partner to be happy, but I do know that I want to be a mother and I want to have children, and I'd like to go through the experience of pregnancy and have you know, biologically related children. And so in this study, there um, were women who had already done this. They had, you know, frozen their eggs and they went on, used donor sperm and went on to have children. And I found that many women were contemplating it. And actually, I think it's just a new growing category um, in the world of professional women, um, single motherhood by choice, where women are deciding to go it on their own and to have, have children. And so I think that that's a shift we're probably going to see um, over time. I think another you know, issue that really needs to be mentioned is that I, I have to re really emphasize this. Um, the main reason women decided to freeze their eggs is because along the way in their lives, they really hadn't been able to find a committed partner. And, um, you know, we need to talk about that. We need to talk about why is it that so many awesome Educated professional women are having difficulty finding a partner, and I must emphasize that I did most of my research along the coasts of the U.S., sort of from Boston down to Washington, and then on the West Coast, mostly in the kind of Bay Area, Silicon Valley uh, region, where you have, you know, high concentrations of educated professionals. And so the question for me, I mean, it was a very interesting question for me, you know, why are all of these amazing, attractive, interesting, you know, very interesting, very accomplished women having so much difficulty finding a partner? Um, and I, you know, it, it was a major theme of the study, and I think we need to talk about that in America much more than we are. And so there is a, a wonderful book written by a man named John Berger. It's called Dateonomics, and he analyzes U.S. census data in, in this country, and also globally he looks at World Bank data, looking at the growing disparity in the numbers of men and women going to college. And in the U.S. right now, uh, there are 39% more women in higher education than there are men. And there's something like nearly 3 million more college-educated women in America than there are college-educated men. And so there's basically a kind of gap, a growing educational gap in our country that we're really, really not talking about. Um, and it does, you know, leave women somewhat of an, in a bind if they hope to find an equally educated partner. And so I, I began talking to women about that in my study, whether they felt they had seen that. And I have to say, particularly women in Washington, D.C., wanted to talk about that um, because there have been some articles already in the local media about the sort of demographic unevenness of the city of Washington, D.C., with, um, you know, scores more educated women there than men. And I think um, that is a, it is a social problem um, for women that 
you know, we need to talk more about. So what's next for you, Dr. Einhorn? Uh, well, I, the main goal is to start getting some publications out uh, about this study because I have to say it was such a rich study, just so much material, so many interesting stories to be told. So I do really want to get a book done, and books take a few years to get done, but I think that's the main goal. Um, I'm going to be moving to Singapore tomorrow for a year, and I am going to do some investigation about some of the interesting things that might be going on in Singapore. There's a whole phenomenon uh, which um, also showed up a little bit in the study um, called reproductive travel, where people travel across international borders uh, trying to get the, the things that they need. And this is already starting to happen with egg freezing, um, that women are traveling from one country to another, sometimes to buy cheaper medications in other countries. Because if there's one downside to egg freezing in the U.S., um, the U.S. is the most costly country in the world in which to pursue any kind of assisted reproduction. The average cost of an IVF cycle in the United States is $12,500, and that is about four times the global average. So the U.S., because of our particular healthcare system, is very expensive. And so egg freezing, as you all know, is very expensive. It's mostly not covered by insurance. And so women have had to find ways to finance or to come up with the money for egg freezing. There is now movement. Women saying, look it, I'm going to go to another country where they're doing it, but I can do it more cheaply. And I think that's going to be something to follow in the future. And it actually may be something that I will begin to explore. So when you were talking oh, about you. Singapore, I just wanted to tell you, um, there was a group that reached out to me called Egg Chill. And the yeah, I should I should link you up with them. Um, they have they have some very stringent laws in Singapore about egg freezing. A lot of women have to go outside the country in order to do egg freezing at all. It's not allowed unless they have a partner. So that is the situation. Not only I think in Singapore, but in China. Um, and so they, within, yeah, there have been some very famous cases of, of Chinese actresses. I didn't know about the Singaporean case, but yeah, where they're saying this is not fair and they traveled um, to, to have egg freezing done. So already we're beginning to see this phenomenon. And, and it's really interesting, just like with IVF, there are countries where you can do this, but you can't do that, or where this is legal, but that is not. Um, and so that's been part of the world of IVF for many years, um, sort of patchwork of countries where you know where the it's legal in one but it's not legal in another, or it's costly in one but it's not costly in another, and so millions of people travel for these kinds of technologies, and we're already beginning to see that phenomenon with egg freezing. American women are lucky, if you will, that really egg freezing has become very common now. It's probably offered now in most IVF clinics in the United States now that, you know, it's been about five years since it went off experimental status in the U.S., and so most IVF laboratories in the U.S. are probably able to do vitrification, which is the kind of flash freezing, fast freezing that's necessary in order to successfully freeze eggs. And so it's available here. It's just the problem is that it's costly. Um, and some clinics are becoming creative with financing schemes and women are, you know, taking out loans and putting it on a credit card. But there's been some discussion about, you know, why aren't insurers covering egg freezing? In fact, insurers don't even cover the cost of egg freezing for medical reasons. When women have cancer and they need to freeze their eggs, in most cases, it's not covered by insurance. 
And I hope that that's something that's going to change over time. I really hope that insurers will see egg freezing as a legitimate issue to a service that needs to be covered. Because honestly, if women did freeze their eggs, it probably would end up saving thousands of dollars in later infertility treatment costs. That was a very uh, vocal critique in, in my study, women saying, look at not a single OBGYN in my, you know, it was all about preventing pregnancy, preventing pregnancy. And I can say that the vast majority of the women in the study were long-term users of hormonal contraceptives. And, you know, because doctors just check on that every year, like, you know, do you have your birth control? But what about checking on, well, when do you wish to have a family? Do you wish to have a family? And having that conversation at well women visits would seem to be important. Um, And I, I would agree that right now there's not enough of that kind of conversation going on. A lot of the women in this study said no one ever talked to me about it. I was blissfully unaware of my fertility. I never, it was never tested. I had no idea. And there is a sort of assumption and misconception in America that it's easy to get pregnant well into your early 40s because we hear a lot about these sort of celebrity pregnancy stories. And no one really talks about the fact that a lot of those older pregnancies um, are being done probably with donor, donor eggs, you know, not with a woman's own eggs. And so we need to do a lot more around fertility education in this country. That became abundantly clear uh, in doing this study. Absolutely. I think we couldn't agree more. That fertility conversation is just missing, and it's kind of setting us up for, you know, failure, failure and not being successful only because we don't know the truth and we don't understand fertility as in-depth as we could. Well, you've been really generous with your time, and I know you you got a pack to go to Singapore. It's so exciting. We want to keep up with your journey. What's the best way for us to stay in touch with you like and our listeners to follow your research? I have a website, www.marciainhorn.com. I don't really post that much there, but what I do hope to do is once I get, you know, something published, um, Definitively, I will let you know, and maybe you can post it on your, you know, your site. I would like to share my, I actually feel a commitment to sharing what I've written with everybody who participated in the study, those that I can still contact. So um, I'll pass along, you know, any papers that come out and news, if a book eventually comes out, which I hope it will, I, I'm, I will let you know right away. Thank you so much. It's been an absolute Thank you pleasure. So much. It's been a delight talking to all of you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Wow. Was that just not the most incredible interview? Mind what? blown. We'll have all of her info in the show notes if you want to reach out to her personally. Or maybe she's still taking more patients in her study. You never know. But um, I just thought, you know, why don't we take a moment here and just talk about how we are looking for our own kind of research, essentially. We want to hear from you, all the listeners out there. Call us 978-EGG-CLUB. That's 978-344-2582. You can call any time of the day. It doesn't matter where you live in the world. Just leave us a voicemail. Feel free to put your name and then just tell us a little bit about what your question is or your comment and what you want us to answer on the show. And you could get on the show. Um, You can email us at eggologyclub 
E-G-G-O-L-O-G-Y-C-L-U-B at gmail.com. And don't forget, we're on all the social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Eggology Club. And don't forget on iTunes to also leave us a review. We really care about what you think. Hopefully it's five stars. If yeah. not, we'll settle for 4.9. So please share it with a friend and tell your peeps about it or anybody that's thinking about egg freezing in general. Tell your friends and family about it. And any topic we haven't currently talked about in a previous show, if there's something you really want us to focus on, please let us know. And to all the new listeners joining us for the first time, welcome. We want to know what you care about. Until next time, let's sign off. Raydells, talk to you later. Kegber, mic drop. Valerie, peace out. You've been listening to episode five of the Eggology Club podcast, Emotional Roller Coasters. Join us next time as we cover navigating the dating world, explore how relationships can change after egg freezing, and we welcome the author of Eggs Unscrambled, Agnes Fisher. She'll talk about what led her to egg freezing. Today's episode of Eggology Club was written and co-hosted by Raydell Peichler, Valerie Landis, and Kara Egber. The show was produced and mixed by Shannon Holly. Caricature artwork by Peter Scott. Logo and cover art by Lily Chen. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, leave a rating, and contact us at eggologyclub.com. Do you love red wine and coffee, but you care about keeping your teeth white? Then you need to be a diva. A Vino Diva. Vino Diva is a usable wine aeration straw. It aerates your wine with every sip to make it taste incredible. And it protects your smile from red wine and coffee stains. Search Vino Diva on Amazon today. Every woman has the little black dress. Now, every woman needs the little black straw. Vino Diva.